Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about love and its power to transform and heal. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 54, Falling in Love with Your Narrative. Sherry Foos is the founder of The Narrative Method, a nonprofit dedicated to connecting individuals to and through their stories. She holds both a MS in Narrative Medicine from Columbia and an MA in Clinical Psychology from Antioch University, Los Angeles. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She created the Narrative Method because she wanted to bring people from all backgrounds together to explore who they really are, separate from the things that they've been told and had internalized about themselves. She wanted them to have the opportunity to connect through their stories so they could recognize themselves in each other and discover similarities over differences and new perspectives over fear of the unknown. In today's episode, we talk about the power of sharing your narrative, the vulnerability, and the connection it generates with people. Let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. I am so excited to have our guest, Sherry. Did I pronounce it right? Yep. Hi, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Corinne? (laughs) I'm doing cool. I'm good. I'm good. I feel very blessed. And... I'm so excited to have you on the show because you're a new energy, new wisdom. So it's always so excited to speak to different people about their work and their role in the world. And I always start out the podcast talking about a love lesson. And the love (laughs) lesson is essentially something in your life that became an aha moment. It became a catalyst of transformation and it became a place where you decided to totally shift what you were doing in your life and use that experience to now be of service to others. And I'd love to hear what your love lesson is. Wow. Okay. Well, first of all, so many things come to mind, including when I was a child. But what just hit me was years ago, I was writing late night television shows and it was so fun. And, you know, we have this fast banter and people feel smart and connected. It's really BS. It's really nothing. We're not talking about anything. And I just had a this doesn't matter. So at that point, I became a therapist. And it was something because of so many drivers in my life that I sort of always had hoped to do anyway. So I would say it was that realizing that the work, although it was really fun, didn't matter. So tick, 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 time's a ticking, we got to do important things. I love that. That's it's important. I think it's also important to feel that drive within yourself that you want to make a difference in the world and you want to do something that matters and that matters for you. And so it's important to find what you love in the world and what your purpose is. Absolutely. So you became a therapist, but you're not like an ordinary therapist. Uh, I'm not an abnormal therapist. (laughs) Uh, What happened was um, I've always loved working with groups And I discovered this when I was a teenager, I came from a troubled family and I got to go to individual and group therapy when I was in high school. And it was like, oh my God, the lights just went on. And there was suddenly language for what I was experiencing. And what I realized then, which carried over through my work, um, both as a performer, as a therapist, and what we do now in the narrative method 
is that when you're with one person and you've got a wonderful connection and you share something and they appreciate it, that's an amazing feeling. But when you're with a group, especially if you don't know them and maybe they're different from you and they understand and they get it, that's a whole other level. That's a level on which you realize, wait a minute, if these people who aren't really necessarily that much like me have the same experience or can completely relate, then there's something universal here. And it's that sense that what I feel, what I go through is felt by others. I am not alone. I belong to the human race. And given, first of all, the way it's been in this entire century with the internet having turned this into hanging out with our friends, it's so important to have eye contact, to have true um, sharing of feelings and listening to others with real attention. And those two simple things go such a long way to keeping us from feeling crazy, much less disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important to have that physical eye to eye contact. I think COVID has really made people see the importance of socialization and being around people and what oh, that yeah. means and touch and hugs and all of that, Absolutely. how much love we share in the physical space. But I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the narrative method and I've never heard of that. And so I'd love to hear what that is and how you work in that space and what does it mean? Okay, great. Thank you. So the narrative method is um, part of the human connection movement. And we create programs, products like cards um, and um, experiences that bring people together uh, through sharing their stories. So we offer three free Zoom-ins every single week. Um, they're based on West Coast time, but you can come on from anywhere in the world. They are Thursday nights, which would be tonight at five for 75 minutes. And we look at fascinating videos that pertain to the subjects we're trying to uh, explore. And then people are all on the same page, even though it's on Zoom. So we have a real-time experience. And from that, we get prompts and go into breakout rooms. And it's just amazing how beautifully people connect. Um, so that's one thing that we do. And then on Tuesday nights, we do a little 30-minute tune-up. And Sunday mornings, we do um, an early morning write at 8.30 for one hour. It's just creativity. It's not about any kind of... Uh, publishing or any kind of expertise. It's about opening your channel of creativity and all these are free. But we also work with universities, um, particularly now with the experience of meeting new people, which is never easy anyway, but how do you meet more than a few people that you happen to run into when you're starting college? So we create these unbelievable experiences that are not like eye rolling team building kind of BS, but they are really connecting in deep, cool ways with people who are going to be in your life now. And we work with businesses and all kinds of things. So when you say you have a theme, like what's the theme for tonight? I love that you're asking that. Tonight is lantern in the dark. Ooh. So we, we have 12 core concepts in the narrative method that are both tools and perspectives. 
And I will, I will share with you um, the definition of lantern in the dark. But as I say, there are um, uh, 11 others. So lantern in the dark is about shining a light um, on the things that have been unexamined in the past, beliefs, or as you asked me at the, at the beginning, what was that aha moment? What are these moments, and I think we have more than we tend to realize, where, oh my God, you just get something, or you find an idea, or all of a sudden, oh my God, that thing I've been looking for. I believe that, and here's another concept, it's called radical gratitude. I believe when we pay attention to beautiful moments, whether it's an aha moment or uh, just a little while ago, I must trip down the stairs. It's like, thank you. Thank you. Because what would I have done if that had happened? When you live in a state of radical gratitude, you notice the lanterns in the cave. You notice the wonderful, beautiful things that you see in nature. And you really can't be in a complete depressed state when you live in that grace. And so whether you get that you know, secularly or in church or wherever, we have to stay connected to our sense of awe. I am 100% in agreement with that. And it's, I love this, the um, symbology of the lantern in the dark, because when we're in that space of darkness and we really feel like there's nothing good in the world, having that speck of light can really illuminate what's happening in your life. And gratitude is such a big part of that because if you don't Definitely. have gratitude, it really, you really do feel like everything is crap and bad and negative. And, you know, on some level, okay, that's true too. But there are many things are, that are true at the same time. Yeah. So I would never want to talk somebody out of their sadness or pain or, you know, there's nothing worse than somebody saying, ah, oh, it'll be okay. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm here right now. So the last thing I want to do when I'm feeling depressed is reach out. But when you reach out, it's like somebody nods their head and they get it and you're better. Maybe not all better, but you're not alone with that. Right. And I think that's the biggest part is the connection with other people and feeling like we are all one and we are all experiencing this human condition of pain and suffering and it happiness and love and all the things that we go through in life that we're all experiencing the same things in different degrees and at different times in our lives. I say that exact thing to different degrees at different times, because one of the reasons our empathy can join us with pretty much anyone is not because we understand their life or what they're talking about, but it's because we have the same set of emotions. I think of it like a piano. You probably don't play the lowest ones or the highest ones that often, but we have them. We understand, we understand, if you understand what it is to love, then you understand what it is to love a lot. If you understand what it is to be out of your mind, well, then you know what it is to sort of lose your mind. And so when we can put ourselves aside to experience somebody else's life, or their story through their eyes, then we can experience true empathy, which is their perspective, not my judgment, not based on my assumptions or how it was for me. 
you know, there's nothing worse than somebody tells you something specific and you say, oh yeah, me too. It's like, no, no, <laughs> me. <laughs> no, me. I love that. It's, it's true. And so the narrative method is essentially people talking about their story of that theme. So for instance, I would share an instant or an experience where I had a lantern in the dark moment and I w people would listen and then they would share theirs. And so that's kind of, so you're pretty much listening to people's stories. I'm inviting everybody to come tonight at five o'clock um, Western. Um, if you sign up at the narrative method.org, it's free. So with the theme, each night is more specific. So here's the theme. We talk about the theme a little bit. We watch a video that evokes those thoughts and feelings. And the one tonight is outrageous. I really hope you come. But so based on that, then we have a prompt. So we're getting not just, you know, generalizations, but really deep. And the point isn't to come up with the most important story that you can think of. The point is just to notice like, well, oh, that's interesting that I thought of that. So that everything we do offers us an opportunity to go deeper with ourselves. Um, there's never anything that anyone is asked um, to specifically share. Um, it's way more important to take care of yourself than to open yourself up when you're not ready. And I, I really have a problem with programs that force people to do things in somebody else's time frame. There's, there are too few messages out there that say, don't open up, don't give it up, think about it, think if you feel safe, and then sure, go for it. So it's really important for us to honor our individuality and to not judge the things we struggle with, because everybody struggles with stuff. And if I feel shy about something, I'm going to honor that until I'm ready. You know what, it makes me think of something like I learned when I was in LA, I was talking to a therapist about active listening. Yeah, exactly. Like really just listening to what's going on in someone else's life and, and then being interested in that. Because I feel like what you're talking about is really people just listening and reflecting on how that story or their personal story is related to them and how they can empathize and have that emotional connection. Because they're like, oh yeah, I've, exactly been that. That I've been through that. Where it's not necessarily about sharing me, 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 me. It's about listening and really exactly. understanding what's happening in other people's lives. Exactly. I mean, it's what you're doing with me. It, you know, you can't fake it. You are interested. We are engaged. We're getting to know each other. And that feeling is always a surprise. I mean, talk about small miracles in the world. How huge is it to truly connect with someone? You know, I, I, it's just, it's a beautiful gift. And it is something that we take with us for the rest of the day. You know, well, I, I had a connection with somebody and, yeah. and I felt her, you know, that's a great feeling. It is a great feeling. And I know for me, I've always struggled with that. It took me a long time to be able to connect with people, mostly because really? I felt like I had to drop my own mm. in my own insecurities and my own walls of protection to really allow myself to be vulnerable, to actually sit and connect with people. Even as an acupuncturist for years, it took me a long time to be like, oh, I'm actually paying, paying attention to somebody else and really taking this person in. So I, I'd love to hear like, what are, what were ways that you did that for yourself to really start mm -hmm. to the process of truly connecting with people? It's a great question. I'm still working on it because I think 
you know, we always like things to be clear, to be one thing or the other, but that's not how the world is. The, the world is complex. And so if you can stay connected to your strengths and your insecurities, it's just easier than trying to act as if. So I also had a zillion insecurities when I was young, but I always also had confidence. And it takes some kind of, um, it, it takes time to really understand how those two things live side by side. So there can be times when I feel intimidated by someone. It's just the main difference is that now I may be more aware of it and I can do a self-soothing technique in real time. For example, um, if you touch your, your heart, you are feeling your heartbeat and your hand is like your mother saying, it's okay, honey. But from the inside, you feel soothed. So you have the power in public because people always go like this. It's just a way to center yourself rather than getting lost in whatever your imagination is about this other person's power or their meanness or the possibilities that can happen. When we stay connected to ourselves, we show people the best of ourselves. When we lose that connection and try and please them, not because we're weak or we're bad, but because we do get insecure at times. So rather than judging ourselves or aspiring to no longer be insecure, let's just embrace it. We're not always comfortable. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think it's partly of that's part of self-love, right? Is accepting all Definitely. aspects of who you are and being okay with that and being authentically yeah. yourself. If that means some days you're going to be X a certain type of way and another day you're feeling more sad, more happy, whatever it is, having that full acceptance of like, okay, this is me today and I love me no matter what. And exactly. accepting that as authentically as you can, which exactly takes practice. As you can. Like, I love me no matter what, but I kind of am unsettled with this or that right now. Mm -hmm. All that can be true at the same time. Yeah. So one of our other concepts is what we call the kaleidoscope. So if you imagine putting any idea or feeling in a kaleidoscope and seeing it in a multitude of ways, all of which are true, but different. Right. And so I think if we understand that not only are there so many different parts inside of us, but we can't always live in perfect peace and harmony. We have an aha moment for a moment. We have those moments or those days of bliss for a moment, but then, you know, life goes on and we struggle again, got to eat, got to pay the rent. Right. And we are multidimensional people beings with so many facets of who we are. And I think it's, it's never ending. Like learning about yourself is like a lifelong journey about the nuances of who you are as a person. So having that awareness, I feel like it's always so interesting to learn about yourself and learn how you can be a better human and grow and connect. It's such a, it's a lifelong study. Yeah. Well, another time I'd be so curious to learn about your process of getting comfortable, you know, in working with your chiropractic patients. Um, I remember years ago sitting with somebody, uh, I guess I had just recently gotten my license and I'm hearing their story and I'm thinking, whoa, you should go to a therapist. It's like, whoa, wait, no, I'm a therapist. Uh, <laughs> we don't have answers. No, We have camaraderie, compassion, love, empathy, ideas, 
but it's not for us to fix others. What we focus on in the narrative method is what we call relational mindfulness. And relational mindfulness is an approach that values um, a relationship above the self. And it, so in relational mindfulness, just like in mindfulness, you're focused on yourself and your own breath and all of that. That's fantastic. But this is about we. And this is more about, you know, bringing together the outer world. It's not one or the other, but in relational mindfulness, we learn how to hear very, very closely. We learn how to observe body language and facial expressions. And we don't assume that because someone has said something or behaved in a certain way that we therefore know that it means this or that. You always have to check in. Um, And so part of relational mindfulness is that checking in, is that reflection that you mentioned earlier. You know, you say certain words and I go like that. And yeah, okay, I like that. But I don't know specifically what you mean until you enlighten me. And so relational mindfulness is really about putting ourselves aside so that we can listen, actively listen, as you say, or closely listen to witness someone not to interfere, not to fix them. People are not broken. We are so over pathologized in our culture that we, you know, everyone, oh, he's got ADD. Oh, she's a this. Oh, no, there is a huge difference between traits and tendencies and traits under these circumstances than a personality disorder, which is far more rare. And because our culture puts us into these negative boxes, it's very easy to just think, okay, I'm a this and that's what I am. And if you're going to fly, you got to move beyond that stuff. I am amazed because I think that's like the work I do every day is working on that relational mindfulness with my clients. Um, And I'm an acupuncturist, not a chiropractorist. In case oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's okay because I don't. I mean, just in case the listeners were like, "What I thought she was." <laughs> um, I for me the biggest thing has been seeing the divinity in other people mm. as the divinity in me. So for me, mm. like, if I believe that God is everyone, and everyone, and I'm God, then we are all one. So there's mm-hmm. no difference between you or me. We're Mm -hmm. all having the same experience, like we're one soul in different manifestations. Mm -hmm. Since I've been able to move my mindset to to that place of like, we're we're in this together, it's been a lot easier to then have less judgment and less negativity around somebody else's experience. Because in a lot of ways, I'm like, that's my experience. It's just manifesting in a different way. Yeah, I love you. I love how you articulate that. That's that's just so nice. I like to think of it as starting in the middle of love. So like, we don't need small talk. I can look outside and find out what the weather is, you know? Why not just go for it? Because honestly, I believe most people are there to be loved and want to be recognized. And when you start out as though you're already friends, people respond to that. That is so sweet. I love that. It's I love true. you. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Thank oh. you. That is like the sweetest thing I've heard all day. I love oh. that. Well, it's early, but you know, it's I'll take well. it. <laughs> <laughs> all week. Um, 
I just feel like that's so true and people are so desperate for friendships and love and connection. And I feel like most people are so appreciative when that yeah. happens because it's, yeah. it feels like it should be an everyday occurrence, but it actually feel it's actually pretty rare. Like, you know, even now that we're walking around with a mask, I could still I could see people just looking at people trying to get smiles because now, now we all have to practice smiling with our eyes. Because... I know it's unbelievable. <laughs> but it's amazing how people are so you could see and feel people just wanting a connection with somebody yeah. in the supermarket. They're just looking around like somebody, somebody send me some good vibes. And it's just interesting that even with the mask, even with all these mandates, humans still want to connect. People are so thirsty for love and so thirsty oh, yeah. for kindness. And then when anyone gives anybody a little bit of kindness, they're like, oh, thank you. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to have that model that you have, which is to treat everyone like a friend immediately. And I think, you know, it using humor really helps. So I was just having breakfast and there were these really cute guys sitting next to me. My husband was walking the dog. And um, they were drinking champagne. So I said, I think that's really rude. You know, so we just, we just started <laughs> laughing. Um, but whatever it is, people are right there if you hit them in a way that's real, if it's real for you. And again, like, don't do this if it doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> but just know that people are there for the waiting. People, you know, it's not about having, I already have friends, I already have a family. It's about this moment, in this moment, here we are. This is the whole world. Let's connect. Yeah, it's true. And I think a lot of people are afraid of people. I think that's also that aspect of a lot of people feeling afraid to connect, afraid to like, what's that going to mean? What are they going to want from me? I know growing up in New York City, when I moved to California, people would say hi to me on the street and I would jump. I'd be like, what do they, what do they want? What do they want? Have a nice day. What do you want? <laughs> like, I'm like, what do you want from me? It took me so long to be like, all right, not everyone's trying to attack me. Like people are genuinely just saying hi. And it yeah. took me a long time to get used to the California vibe of just being like, hey, and hi. And so it was, um, but it was interesting to see what, and then when I went back to New York to visit my mom, I would say hi to people and people would just be looking at me like, what's wrong? Hi. <laughs> yeah. I totally know what you mean. I grew up in New Jersey, so. Yeah, it's a different vibe on the East Coast. I mean, I mean, I haven't been all over in the East Coast, but New, New Jersey and New York are like my hometowns. And so yeah. I recognize that vibe. But it's, where in New Jersey? I've been to the um, Madison. Is that called Madison? Yeah, Madison, Jersey and like the beach. Oh, not, OK. Not South Shore, but, you know, somewhere in there. So we I used to have a boyfriend that, next that lived in Jersey. So we'd go to Jersey a lot. And of Got course, it. like Newark and my mom would yeah. go shopping and all of that. And I think I yeah. had an uncle or something that lived down in Jersey. So, you know, we'd go across. Well, I think in Newark, it's illegal to smile. Is it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up near Newark and I used to go there shopping and everything. Yeah. And, you know, when I was a kid, I just thought, well, that's what a city is. Mm -hmm. You don't smile. Mm -hmm. And it's not completely untrue. It's like a bit of a Hustle. fight. And especially, you know, in the. 70s in Newark, things were rough. Uh, people suffered so much. And, yeah. you know, you don't always smile in the middle of suffering. No. And in, and in New York, I was always, I didn't want to smile and connect because I felt like that would invite conversation that I didn't want to have, especially right. when I'm a young girl trying to go to school and right. guys are like, why don't you smile? And I'm like, oh, God, I just want to go to school. <laughs> In my yearbook photo, my, my sentence was, I'm smiling now. 
which is true. And let me just say, if anyone's in high school listening to this, it'll end. It gets better. Oh my God. Adolescence. Oh my God. Adolescence should come with a puppy or something. Yeah. I have a a client that's 17 and she's like going through all this stuff. And I literally kept telling her, you have eight more months. It's going to be over. Yeah. Just hold on. It's going to be over. And then you're going to be in college and you're going to live your life and you're going to forget about these boys and girls and all this stuff in high school. It's really just a temporary thing. But when your frontal lobe is not fully developed, you really feel that it is your whole entire life. I know. It's so crazy how the biology really does tweak your mind. Well, and also those early references are just in there. We don't forget them. We don't forget the early experiences. And even when they're traumatic and we think, I want to get rid of that. Part of accepting ourselves and that everything's fine is accepting that you're not going to forget things. And if you did, you know, you wouldn't really have your mind. So that's not so desirable. Mm -hmm. The idea is to take the stuff you've struggled with and turn it into lemonade. Yes, absolutely. And also realize that, you know, life goes on past a certain point and you can live your life and have different experiences. And I know for me, socialization from middle school, even up to college was really challenging. It was like, how do I talk to people? How do I interact with people like what does that mean and i think as i went on a journey of personal development and learning about myself and healing my wounds and all of that including high school and middle school and all that stuff mm-hmm. it was a lot easier as an adult to connect with people oh so yeah i think it's a lot of it i almost feel like our whole life on human as a, as a human on the planet is to get over <laughs> childhood and adolescence absolutely and and turn it into the life that you want. I mean, if you think about all those negative projections that we have to get over, and by the way, I think, you know, with your platform, when you share that, it's so powerful for your audience because they see, you know, you're strong, you're beautiful, you're, you know, you're clear, but to also be privy to, but you're vulnerable. You know, this is a real person. Um, So I, I just really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Middle school was still till this day, one of the roughest three years of my life. Yeah. Like I thank God every day that I'm not 13. (laughs) I'm just like, so even when I'm having a bad day, I'm like, Ooh, but I'm not 13. Yeah. That's great. The title for a book. Yeah. Like that was like, I mean, it even brings tears to my eyes, how bad it was. Oh, and so for me, I hate those kids for doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Those kids were mean, but I also feel like they also gave me so much um, strength because I was like, this isn't, this isn't going to last. I know this, is, mm-hmm. this isn't going to last. Mm-hmm. It's only a few years. I'm going to get past this. So it definitely felt like, okay, this is only, this is temporary. This is well, temporary. And, and I want, I always tell that to people. It's temporary. No, no matter mm-hmm. what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Even if it's good. <laughs> even if it's good, you know, the sun's going to set the, you know, the, the moon is going to rise. It's going to be a new day tomorrow. So enjoy what enjoy, or even enjoy what you have. If it's positive and if it's negative, you know, it's going to pass. You know, it's funny. You just made me think of something I had never thought of before, which is that we enjoy going to movies that are sad or, you know, uh, really emotionally challenging because we can sit back. It's not okay. quite our life and we can see the beauty. Right. Well, we're invited to do that when we're struggling as well, because there is there is beauty everywhere. And 
um, I just think when we temper it with the bigger truth that nothing is, you know, none, none of these influencers are fully happy. No, but you know, there's, there's no there, there of perfection in life. It's, it's always a struggle. And when we all put that on the table, then it's so easy to be real. It's so easy to reveal the vulnerabilities that used to feel, you know, make you tremble and try and hide them. Now you feel it's like, it's a gift, you know? Yeah. And it makes you feel like, okay, I'm not alone. Exactly. When I I have, when I see these beautiful influencers share something vulnerable, I'm like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not, it's not just me. I'm not the only one. Free Britney. Right. You know, that was so interesting. All these years, I had no idea that poor girl. I was like, wow. And I was never a huge Britney fan, but that really really made me like, oh, Britney. I know. Well, here's what's also so interesting. So if anything, I probably had, you know, a judgment that she was, you know, not that major an artist or, or however you want to put it. Me too. Yeah. But then you see someone, anyone in a state of raw humanity and you feel them and that's really what it is because you realize just in the same way you're saying everyone is god no matter how shallow someone may seem that's not all of them and in so many cases what we present what we're taught to present as a way to survive is you know it feels like this is what we should do but it denies who we are so people can't really feel us Right. Um, so then there she was, this person who, you know, wasn't an artist I followed um, in a real life situation. And it just changed. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I had the same judgment. I've always kind of was like, oh, God, whatever. You're X, Y, and Z. But when that happened, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot believe this woman is going through all of this. And, I, and we had no idea because we only get a certain image of who this person is. Exactly. Was. And I, that totally was like, you know, we hold celebrities on these pedestals of having these perfect lives. Right. And when you learn about their story, you're kind of like, wow, like I, of course you have the story because you're human like everyone else. And why did I think you're so different when you're exactly the same as everyone else, including myself? And that really humbled my own judgment about her. Yeah. Well, I think when somebody in particular looks like what I call the cult of culture, uh, you know, the constant noise and onslaught and pressure to be something that no one is. I think when somebody seems to fit that mold, it's a lot easier to, to distance yourself from them because A, it's unattainable right. and that's painful. And B, you do sense the, the shallowness of a facade. So, um, you know, if she was, uh, uh, nobody's really coming to mind, but there are other people who I might not have been interested in as an artist, but I wouldn't have had that negative reaction because they don't look like you're supposed to look. Um, So, I mean, again, all of this stuff, it, 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 we all are allowed to do whatever we want in here 24 seven for the rest of our lives. And inside your head, is the most infinite journey of fascination. I find every single thing interesting. Everything's interesting. It is. So no matter what kind of bad stuff is happening to you or at you, you always have 
remember, <laughs> you can soothe yourself and you can take your mind anywhere you want to go and hopefully start to change the details of your daily life. Yeah. And, and to, I, to your potential. Absolutely. And, and the observation that you talked about earlier is key too, like being able to observe your mind and see like what is happening in your mind as if you're watching a movie is also very helpful to start to yeah. see. Are these thoughts really mine? Are you know what's are, is this a program or is this exactly. how I really feel? And really start. Whose to voice that. is that that tells me I'm no good? Right. Children don't come into the world thinking they're no good. Right. Too fat, too ugly. Children don't have that. Yeah. But it doesn't take long to learn it. Yeah. Just watch TV for one day. <laughs> oh man. So let's get into the infinite love questions. Yep. How do you use love in your work? First of all, it's so easy because um, you, I can't not love someone who's being themselves. When somebody is struggling to be themselves, I can't not want to make it safe. Um, in all the work that I'm doing, whether it's psychotherapy or the narrative method, which is not therapy, it's therapeutic, but it's just, it's much more a, a social experience than any kind of psychology or fixing. But when I'm doing that, the fact that people have come and are present for each other is just everything. And from that stage of openness and acceptance, you, you can only go higher. It, it's just, it's, it's so easy. So, I mean, I think if there were a technique, it would be what we refer to as putting ourselves aside mm -hmm. so we can really listen to someone and dig their experience from their perspective. I love that. Yes. How is your work used to, to serve humanity? Well, I think it's, it's just an invitation to accept yourself and other people and to know that there is always a bigger perspective. So whenever you know something, absolutely, mm, ask yourself again if there's another way to look at it. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't make a decision and, and move on it. But I think there's an omnipresence of 8 billion perspectives, and they're all real. And so to allow a little of that light to creep in could cause some confusion, but it also makes sure that you're looking around everywhere. Yeah, because opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone has one <laughs> and different perspectives. Yeah. So it's always true to always be open. And your belly button has a camera in it, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Actually, that'd be a good idea for a robot. Wouldn't it? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> what does it mean to you to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Well, particularly because of the way I grew up and was told that I was bad and no good and I'd never be nothing, quote unquote, um, it means so much. And it's because that is a foundational trauma for me, there's a part of me that always questions it, that a part of me that thinks I'm bad. And, um, and that, that part of me can point to exhibit A, B, and C to prove to me that I'm bad. 
But I also know that I have worked really hard to counterbalance that and bring love to the world and joy and laughter. And so it's, it's, again, I think we just keep coming back to this kind of holistic view of accepting kind of the loose parts and the disparate parts that are kind of sitting by themselves and trying to welcome them in the way you would if you had a party and someone was sitting on their own, mm-hmm. we all have that part. Yeah. And when you're in that place, it's hard to get yourself out. So it's a beautiful thing to pull someone out. And I try and do that when people are struggling. Yeah. Cause we were all that person in the room that felt alone and wanted yeah. somebody to pull us out. And, yep. and when they did, and if somebody did, it was always so, so appreciated. To be Especially if, they don't do it in a way that's obvious. Right. Like you're depressed. I mean, oh God, no. But <laughs> it's like disarming the situation. And that's why I like to use humor, you know, yeah. because it just makes you laugh. And now you're in another place. You can't be upset and laughing at the same time. No, laughter opens up the heart. It's definitely this joyous thing that kind of pulls you out from wherever you are. I mean, laughter is everything. I agree. Yeah. What do you love most about your life? Mm. I love my family. I love my husband, my kid, my dog, and my friends so much. And, um, you know, I love my work and I, I couldn't live without it because I have to feel like I'm doing something meaningful. But to know that there are these people that I can call and we can connect and we can get through things together or share our joys. It's, it, it makes my life worth living. Yeah. Having support is amazing and being able to provide support. Exactly. Yeah. How do you feel you receive love? Um, I think I receive love. Well, I don't, I'm not so good at compliments. Uh, I don't, I think that can be hard for people, but I always admire people that just go, you know, like you say, you're the greatest person that ever walked the planet. They go, Oh, thank you. You know, like they own it. Really? Uh, You look good. I do. No, I don't. I look terrible, you know? Um, But I think when a compliment is genuine and you can't deny it, even though it may be hard to take in, I think it's important to try because it's very easy for me to say to you, you know, I'm really connecting to you. You're beautiful. You're alive. You're, you're just, but it's not the same to receive that. It's one thing to receive it about an idea, but when somebody tells you that yourself is wonderful, um, it, it just, depending on the moment, it can be difficult or easy. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's taking me a long time to receive compliments. Yeah. You know, it took me a long time to be like, okay, I'll take that in. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Just that, like, just breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll own it. I'm like, okay, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. When do you feel the most love? Mm. I think I feel the most love when I, when we are all getting something so specific, that feeling that we're on the same page with an idea or having observed something that just happened, or 
that because it's such a connector. When you are in the throes of connection, whether you're making love or laughing or just really enjoying a conversation, there is nothing else. And so, you know, to live in that state would be fantastic. Just And all these ideas, all this potential connection is around us all the time. So it's there for the, it's there for the loving. I, it sounds very much like living a very um, open-hearted life, like being open-hearted and really connecting to people's heart. Cause that's what I feel like when you say that is like being able to just be open and really take someone in and take in their energy and like really then give them love and appreciation where people can feel seen. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, you know about it. I'm that's working what you on. do. That's well, what that, I, do. I mean, you know. I'm a work in progress, but that's what I, I aspire to always do. Yeah. Okay, there's a good example of not taking a compliment. <laughs> a work in progress, right? True. Oh, I'm working on No, you know, just own it. Own it. Okay, fine. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Me too. I'm going to give myself that compliment. <laughs> you All are right. very good at that. Okay. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I'm always trying to find the balance between humility and confidence mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not feeling like I'm arrogant. Because mm-hmm. you know, I always feel like I can easily go into that arrogant place. Like, yeah, I know, mm-hmm. I know, I know. And I've been working to be humble and strong and being like, yes, but I want more. Yes, well, let me more. just say one thing about the arrogance because um, I, ha- I have that as well. But to me, mm-hmm. it's a survival response. Yes. Nobody has to be arrogant unless somebody is challenging their right to exist. So if you've lived through that, then luckily you develop some arrogance as a survival tool. But as you start to get what you really need, you can let go of right. that because you begin to trust I'm good enough. Right. I don't have to sell that to other people. Exactly. Exactly. That's I just wish we could hang on to that realization and that appreciation when people are acting out, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you cut someone off in traffic by mistake and you're so sorry. And real, you, you got to kill me for that. Like, I swear I didn't wake up to wreck your life, mm-hmm. you know, um, but we yeah. get evoked because we all have these traumas in the, in the past. Um, but the first one to say it's okay wins. <laughs> I the first one to, to tell the person who hurt you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wow. Takes you to another level. It totally does. And my last question is where has love created a miracle in your life? Mm. Wow. Well, I would say my husband again, because not just the miracle of having a child, but um, the miracle of somebody loving me, despite the things that I've struggled with, and whether you, you know, just put them in the box of arrogance and, and defensive behaviors, that the more you're loved, the more you can let go of and just realizing, oh my God, somebody absorbed that crap. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think loving a person who is a wonderful person. And all that means is somebody who's just really working on being better. That's all we have to do. Yeah. Incrementally. That. Yes. I so appreciated this conversation. It was beautiful. Thank you so much. How can people 
connect with you and connect with the narrative method and want and tune in. You mentioned the little things, you mentioned a few things during the show, but sure. Repeat again. So just thank you. Thank you for asking me. Well, first of all, if you go to the narrative method.org, you can see all the 12 core concepts. You can sign up for events um, and you can buy our cards. We have two different decks of cards and these are designed so that anybody can run a group. You don't need a license to use your humanity. So get a deck of cards, get together some friends or family or online or live. And you could also use them as writing prompts. And when you are fed profound ideas to chew on, whether it's writing or conversation, it moves you into another level of understanding. And so with these cards, everyone can do that whenever they like. And it's, it's wonderful. It's really helpful. So I would love to see you and anyone else tonight at five o'clock East uh, West coast time. And you can sign up on our website, the narrative method.org. Corinne, I have enjoyed you so much. I so identify with you and, and you're just, I love what you're doing with this podcast. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on it. I very much appreciate your presence and your story. It was a beautiful conversation. Thank you. I hope to see you again. You too. Bye. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. You can connect with me on Instagram at Corinne J. Kamara. Sending you infinite love.